0: Uh, I remember in my own life, years and years, this was long before I was at Hickory Ridge, uh, I was going through a situation, it was really difficult, it was hard, things were not going well. Um, it was not just affecting me personally, it was affecting my family, but beyond that, it was affecting the entire church uh, that I was pastoring. And, and so I was crying out to God. I actually uh, spent a time of, of prayer and fasting, 40 days of fasting I just I didn't eat food. I just just uh, juice and water for 40 days, not even coffee. It was, it was intense. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, and, and I'm just crying out to God, fix this, fix this, fix this. Bring resolution. You can do it. God, break through hearts. Bring understanding. Reveal your truth. After 40 days of praying and fasting, things got worse, not better. And I thought, what in the world? About that same time, uh, season in life, um, there was a a particular thing I was trying to purchase for one of my children. And it was very, very, I mean, it was one of those things you can't find it no matter what you do, no matter where you go. Everyone's sold out, they don't even have waiting lists. You're just hoping uh, maybe you can stumble across one. I knew I was going to be traveling. Uh, up and down the east coast, out to the midwest. So I started calling stores, all these areas where I was going to be going to, traveling through. Do you have one? I'll buy it, hold it for me. And you couldn't find it anywhere. I'm searching on the internet, every website, back channels, everything. You couldn't find it no matter what. It was sold out. So I just kind of throw off this random little prayer to God. God, wouldn't it be great if you could just let me get one of those? About an hour or so later, I'm surfing the web, not even looking for that item anymore. I kind of was like, forget it. It's not going to happen. I was doing some research um, for a sermon I was going to be preaching. And there on this church website, this ad pops up. It says, item in stock. <laughs> uh, scam, scam, scam. There's no way. But, you know, I'm, I am not... Tech illiterate. So I know how to navigate through to make sure if it's a scam, they're not going to get my money. So I look, I research, I, I check the link. It's going to a legitimate website, the largest retailer in the world. So I think maybe they happen to have one in stock. I don't know. So I click on the link there. It says they have three in stock. So I'm like, well, I'm going to order it. I'll probably get a notice that says, oh, sorry, items not available. But I order the item. I get a confirmation email. Great, your item will be delivered in seven to 10 days. <laughs> what in the world? What in the world? I go back to that website 20 minutes later, sold out. I thought, and it showed up. It showed up to my house a week later, and, and I'm so confused. Part of me's thrilled, thank you, God. And part of me's like, but I don't get it. I mean, I just kind of throw off this prayer. I'd like to get this. And God, you did this by 40 days. 40 days, this mattered. And you didn't come through, and this was kind of frivolous, and you came through, and... So I was kind of that mixture of emotions, and we probably all have some version of that. Kind of throw off, oh God, wouldn't, can you help me find my my car keys or my, my cell phone? I lost it, and God helps you find it. But then you say, God, why haven't you helped my lost child come back? Or we throw off, God, I'm trying to fix this this my car or this thing at home, and I don't know how to fix this. Can you help me fix it? And And he does, and you're like, thanks, God, but how come you haven't fixed my marriage? How come you haven't fixed my family? It's falling apart. Or you you know, you got that annoying dog that's next door barking, and you say, God, can you just stop the barking? And the barking stops. (laughs) But then you go, God, why don't you stop my anxiety and my chronic pain, the ongoing thing? that I'm facing. And sometimes when we go through those kind of moments, it makes us wonder, like, is God paying attention? I mean, he's listening. Obviously he's listening. He's doing some stuff, but he's, is he really understanding? Is he fully engaged? Does he really get the deepest cry of my heart or is he somewhat distracted? And what do you do when it feels like God is distracted? So we're in this series, where is God? We started by talking about when God seems distant. We looked at at, uh, John the Baptist. When God seems distant, and what we learned is that God is never distant. And just because you don't feel God's presence doesn't mean he isn't present. Then last week, we talked about when God seems delayed. And we talked about Abraham and Sarah and how waiting is hard. It's really hard. Waiting is difficult. But that with God, a time of waiting is never a waste of time because the waiting is always worth it. God has something planned for you. But this morning, we're going to talk about when God seems distracted, when you're crying out and crying out and crying out, and it seems like God isn't fully understanding what it is you want, why it is you want it, what it is that you need. So let me just say on the front end, this message may not leave you going, wow, I feel really excited. My hope and prayer is that this message will help you better understand the heart of your Heavenly Father that this message will help you better understand what it means to engage with God in prayer. So we're going to look at the, um, the life of a man named Paul, or a story from his life, known as Paul, the Apostle Paul. And what we're going to learn is three important uh, mindsets that we need to have when we go to God in prayer. So let me give you a quick background on Paul. Paul's name was Saul before he became a follower of Jesus. And when he, before he became a follower of Christ, he hated Christians. He couldn't stand them. He didn't agree with anything Jesus taught. And he wanted all Christians to be silenced. He wanted laws and rules passed that would make it illegal to be a Christian, that Christians could be thrown in jail and even killed. He he didn't agree with that. He thought the problems in society were because of Christians. They weren't walking in. They weren't connected to. They weren't um, uh, understanding modern culture and society, that they were the cause of all division that was happening. So he wanted them to be done away with. But then this amazing thing happens. He's traveling to have more Christians arrested. And on his way, the resurrected Jesus shows up. And they have this um, amazing encounter. You can read about it in the book of Acts. It's in the Bible. We're not going to get into all the details. But as a result, he becomes a radical follower of Jesus arguably the most influential Christian in human history. He wrote over half of the New Testament. He traveled for over 20 years to that entire area. He started churches. He established pastors and leaders. He, um, he's used in supernatural, miraculous ways. He has visions. He has prophetic words. Uh, he, he's used to heal the sick, uh, to, to do miracles. He even raises the dead. It is an amazing life. But he also pays an amazing price for a radical life of faith. He, uh, he's, he's persecuted. He's beaten. He's stoned. And, and I don't mean stone. I mean like they took rocks and hurled them at him until he was, fell down and they left him on the side of the street because they thought he was dead. God raised him back up he's shipwrecked, he's imprisoned. Five different times he receives a, the maximum sentence of the number of whippings you can get, 39 lashes across the back. He, he is, goes through some intense things. So he has an amazing life of faith that God uses him in amazing ways, but he has amazing um, trials and obstacles that he has to overcome. Now he's getting older and he's kind of towards the end of his life. And I would think what I hope, what I kind of think, God, would you do this for me? Because this is what I want you to do for me. So you probably should have done it for Paul is that when you get towards the end of your life and you have faithfully served and you've been obedient, you've endured, and you've gone through all these things that God says now in these last years of your life, I'm going to allow you to rest and be at ease. That's what I would like to see happen with Paul because that's what I would like to happen For me, but that's not what the Bible says. This is what Paul's writing. This is years, years, years. He's been serving the Lord for 30 plus years now. And and we know that he dies maybe about eight to 10 years after he writes this. But this is what he writes to the Christians in Corinth. He says, in order to keep me from being conceited, see, God's used me in supernatural ways. I could get pumped up with pride. And so in order to keep that from happening, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. But he said over and over, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Why? For Christ's sake. Therefore, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. Now, this is a a challenging, complicated passage. It's easy to misunderstand some things. I mean, here's Paul. He says, Satan, the devil, the enemy of our souls is allowed to bring something into my life. God allows it. And God says, I'm going to allow it because I'm going to use it to keep you from becoming conceited, arrogant, puffed up, full of pride. So he brings this thorn in his flesh. So when it says thorn in the flesh, it's telling us this is a real thing. This isn't just spiritual. This isn't just ethereal. This is a real thing. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. People have debated it uh, for 2,000 years of church history since he wrote these words. Some people say it was a physical ailment. He was dealing with ongoing migraines or or epilepsy or malaria or uh, declining eyesight, diminishing eyesight. He was going blind. Other people say, no, it was an actual person. It was a physical, uh, it was a person or it was a, um, a, a tangible thing that kept recurring that was keeping him, holding him back from accomplishing all that he wanted to do for the Lord. We don't know what it was. Here's the thing. It doesn't really matter. What's more important isn't what we don't know. It's what we do know. And what we do know is that Paul says it tormented me. So it's interesting the word thorn, right? He says "A thorn in the flesh. We think of thorn, right? A thorn on a, on a rose bush, or maybe a thorn on a, on a raspberry plant. Right? just a little thistle, a little thorn. That word that's translated from the Greek to the English word "thorn" can also be translated "steak." Now not like a steak that you eat, but a steak that you would be impaled on or impaled with. So he's saying, this tormented me to the point of death. It was so It was tearing me apart. This thing was awful. It was terrible. And I venture to say some of you right now may have a thorn in your flesh, something that hurts so bad, it feels like it's killing you. It's tearing you apart. It may be a person, maybe a relationship, it may be finances, it may be something at work, it may be a relationship, whatever it is, and it's tearing you apart and you're crying out to God, God, take this away, take this away. God, do something, do something, do something. It may be uh, emotional health issues. It might be insomnia. It might be uh, something at work or something at school. But whatever the situation is, you're crying out, you're crying out, you're crying out. And so far, God hasn't done what you wanted him to do, what you're asking him to do. What do you do when you turn to God in prayer? You cry out to him. And it seems like he answers some things, but not the deepest thing. He seems like he's distracted. The first thing is this. When you go to God in prayer, you have to remember this. God hears exactly what you ask for, but he gives you exactly what you need. See, we all know what we want, and we confuse our wants with our needs. God says, I know what you want, but I know what you need. Paul says three times I pleaded with God three times. I cried out to him three times. I said, take this away, take this away, take this away. And three times God said, no, no, no. And when it says three times, he cried out to God. It's not like we think, you know, I, I pray every day at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, I prayed three times. No, no, no. This is three seasons of prayer, three blocks of time, three intense times of prayer, intentional focused prayer and fasting, interceding. Biblically, there are three, they're, they're the most common uh, blocks of time for prayer and fasting are three days, three weeks, or 40 days. Three days, 21 days, or 40 days. Reading Paul's life, my guess is three different blocks of 40 days. He prayed. He fasted. God, take this away. At the end of, at the end of 40 days, three different times, God says, nope. Paul listen, God, I've done miracles. You've worked through me. More miracles can be recorded. I would be so much more effective for you. I could do more for your kingdom if you would just take this away. And God says, I know what you want, but it's not what you need. What you need is my grace. I'm not gonna give you what you're asking for. I'm not gonna give you the miracle. I'm not gonna give you the break, breakthrough. I'm not gonna bring this amazing reconciliation. I'm gonna give you what you need. Grace, that is so difficult. But if you will believe that what God has for you is what you need, and if what you need is better than what you want, then you can rest in the heart of your heavenly father. Now, what does it even mean? My grace is sufficient for you. I mean, we can, you know, grace. It's what, you know, you say to your kids. Okay, we're going we're gonna to pray grace before we eat dinner. It's not that kind of grace. Uh, other people say, well, grace, that's what we need to you know, find forgiveness from our sins, right? The Bible says that it's by grace we're saved through faith and not out of our own. It's a gift from Christ. That is grace, but grace is so much deeper. Grace is personal. Grace is intimate. Grace is God's word towards us word. Grace is meant to be something that we, um, we understand at a deep, intimate level. Grace means undeserved favor, So the idea is that God says, I am going to give you something that you don't deserve, but I'm gonna give you something that you need. So here is a way to understand grace. Grace is God revealing his love for you by reaching out to you in order to be near you and help you. My grace is sufficient. I'll see you through this. I'll bring you comfort. I'll bring you peace. I'll bring you a subtleness I will help you get through this. I will give you my strength. I will give you everything that you need because I want to be with you and near you. Grace is God saying over and over and over, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I hear everything you're crying out for. I know exactly what it is that you want. I know exactly what it is that you think you need, but if you'll trust me, I know what you really need. What you need now is my comfort. What you need now is my presence. What you need now is my nearness. What you need now is my grace. So we have to come to God and say, God, I know you hear what I'm asking, but you're gonna give me what I need. The next thing is this. When you turn to God in prayer, it's an acknowledgement of this, that you are not in control, but you are turning to the one who is. God, I'm not in control of this. Listen, we can't control most situations. And even the situations we think we control, we really can't. Control is an illusion. We think we're in control of our kids or kids think they're in control of us. <laughs> it's probably more accurate. Uh, no, But you think you're in control, right? You're driving down the highway. I'm in control. My kids are here. I can keep them safe until the truck in front of you swerves. And you realize you're not in control. You think you're in control, and you can keep everybody healthy and safe until someone's laying up in a hospital bed. And you realize I'm not in Control, you think you're in control. You've made good financial decisions until the stock market crashes and we're in a major recession and you're not in control. Control is an illusion. So when we turn to God, Paul says, three times I cried out to the Lord to remove this from me. This is a man that God did miracles through. Healed the sick, raised the dead, made the blind to see. He doesn't say three times I prayed for myself. Three times I commanded healing in my own body. He says, three times I cried out, God, I can't do this. I am not in control. You're the only one who can fix this situation. Three times God said, no. But God, I've done everything. I've been to every doctor. I've been to every therapist. I've been to every counselor. I've done everything I know how to do. Right, now you turn to God and say, God, you're in control. I can't fix this. I can't make it better. I can't change the narrative but you can. So God, I'm turning to you and I'm asking you to do what only you can do. So we turn to God and pray and say, God, this is what I need, but I'm trusting you to give me what I want. God, this is what I need. I can't fix it. I'm trusting that you're in control. And the third thing is this, when we turn to God in prayer, what we're acknowledging, what we need to know, what we need to remember is this, that God's strength is greater than your need. God's strength is greater than your need. God, I, I, this is, see, what we think is this, where we go to God and say, God, this is what I need. And if, if you do this, then I'll have what I need. But God says, that's not what you need. What you need is my grace. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So no matter what you're facing, your loneliness, God's strength is greater. Your, your past, God's strength is greater. Your sense of abandonment, God's grace is greater your financial distress, God's strength is greater. When you don't know the way to go, God's strength is greater. When your marriage is falling apart, God's strength is greater. And when we can acknowledge that, we say, okay, God, if you'll give me what I need, not what I want, if you're in control and your strength is greater, then if you give me the miracle, your strength is greater. But if you say, my grace is sufficient, then your strength is greater. I can boast in that because you are greater. You're stronger. You're bigger. You're more powerful. And even if I don't get what I want, your strength can still flow through me. So there's an encounter that's recorded for us, not in the Bible, but in a TV show called The Chosen. So this encounter is extra biblical, but it, it, it's a, a conversation between Jesus and one of his closest 12 followers, a man named James. And I, I believe it captures accurately a, a very probable conversation that could have happened. So I want to share this with you now.
1: So you're sending us out with the ability to heal the sick and lame. Yes, that, that is what you said. Yes. So you're telling me that I have the ability to heal. at <laughs> me, I just find that difficult to imagine my condition which you haven't healed do you want to be healed yes of course if if that's possible I think you've seen enough to know it's possible why haven't you because I trust you what little James precious little James I need you to listen to me very carefully because what I'm going to say defines your whole life to this point and will define the rest of your life do you understand In the Father's will, I could heal you right now. And you'd have a good story to tell, yes? Yes, that you do miracles. That's a good story. But there are already dozens who can tell that story. And there will be hundreds more, even thousands. But think of the story that you have, especially in this journey to come, if I don't heal you. To know how to proclaim that you still praise God in spite of this. To know how to focus on all that matters so much more than the body. To show people that you can be patient with your suffering here on earth because you know you'll spend eternity with no suffering. Not everyone can understand that. How many people do you think the Father and I trust this with? Hmm? Not many. But the others, there's so much more. So much more what? I don't know. Stronger? Better at this? James, I love you. But I don't want to hear that ever again. I know how easy it is to say the Song of David. That I... Fearfully and wonderfully made. But it doesn't make this any easier. And in this group, it doesn't make me feel like any less of a burden. A burden? First of all, it is far easier to deal with your slow walking than it is to deal with Simon's temper. Trust me. (laughs) Are you fast? Do you look impressive when you walk? Maybe not. But these are things the Father doesn't care about. You are going to do more for me than most people ever dream. So many people need healing in order to believe in me or they need healing because their hearts are so sick. That doesn't apply to you. And many are healed or not healed because the Father in heaven has a plan for them which may be a mystery. And we remember what Job said. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you pass from this earth and you meet your Father in heaven where Isaiah promises you will leap like a deer, your reward will be great. So hold on a little longer. And when you discover yourself finding true strength because of your weakness and when you do great things in my name, in spite of this, the impact will last for generations. Do you understand? Thank you, Master. A man like you, healing others, Oh, what a sight. I can't wait to hear your stories when you return. Shalom, my son. Shalom. And James.
0: you are going through some really, really hard things, tormenting things. The most difficult thing that you may ever face in your life, and I don't want to just kind of make light of it, gloss over it, downplay it. It's hard. And if God's answer to you in that difficulty is what he said to James, if what he said to Paul, my grace is enough. What you need to remember is that that doesn't make God less loving. It makes him a God who wants you to understand his love. God loves you. He cares about you. God's goodness is bigger than whether he answers your prayer or not. God says, I am stronger than your need. My strength is greater. I'll give you what it is that you need if you'll trust that I'm in control. So what does it mean to turn to God in prayer? It means this, praying is asking God in faith while trusting in God's grace. Prayer is asking and trusting, asking and trusting, asking and trusting. So ask and ask and ask and keep on asking for three times, multiple times, those blocks and seasons of prayer. Keep on asking why? Because Jesus' name is bigger and better and he is stronger than your need. So keep on asking. If you find out you have cancer, sickness, financial distress, some situation going on in your life, cry out to God. Bring Speak for, believe for healing restoration, breakthrough, res- reconciliation, command cancer to leave, speak life, bring, uh, pronounce blessing into your life. Why? Because Jesus' name is bigger and better. It's greater than any name. But at the same time, if in doing that, listen, I believe in healing. I believe in restoration. I believe in miracles. I've seen them. But if in that moment God says, my grace, my grace, my grace. Is enough. My comfort, my peace, my presence is all I'm gonna pour into this. And that is more than enough. So ask and trust God if I have to rest in your grace, then I I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Prayer is coming to God in faith, believing and trusting in God's grace no matter what He does. If He does the miracle, praise God. And if he says the miracle is yet to happen, praise God. Heavenly Father, right now we come to you and Lord, I'm asking that you would do a work right now. God, we're, we're all in different places and if we're going through a hard time right now, God, I'm asking and I'm believing that you would do miracles. God, that you would heal, that you would restore, that you would break through, that you would provide. God, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way, that you would open blind eyes, that you would make deaf ears to hear. God, that you would bring the lost back. God, that you would bring healing to moms and dads, husbands and wives, children and parents. God, that you would do something amazing. God, that you would provide financial resources. God, do miracles. We know you can. You've done them before. We know you can still do them now and that you will do them again. But God, if in this moment we have to rest in your grace, God, would your comfort, your peace, your presence, your joy, your goodness surround us, flow inside of us so that it might flow out of us. God, that just like James, it doesn't matter the condition of our life, you can still use us and you can still receive glory, honor, and praise. God, you used Paul with a thorn in his flesh. God, you can use us. So I'm asking you, do something great, God. So I'm going to ask right where you are, right where you're seated. Some of you have, a, some of you are, are going through, you have a thorn in your flesh right now, and it hurts, it's agonizing, it's painful. It's tearing you apart. And right now, in just a moment of honesty, if that's you, and you've got that pain, you've got that torment happening in your life, something huge, something difficult, and you've been crying out to God, Just in this moment of honesty, right where you are, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand and say, God, I need you to do something. I've been praying. I've been asking. I've been believing. One more time, just raise your hand and say, God, I'm going to believe you again. I'm going to believe you again. I'm going to believe you again. Now, if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask everyone, stand to your feet, whether you raised your hand or not. But if you raised your hand as we sing this next song, come forward, come to the altar, get into God's presence. Let someone pray with you. And let's believe that God will move in a miraculous way. And also trust that if he doesn't, his grace, his grace, his grace will be more than enough.